Go ahead and have a seat. I hate interrupting your good conversations, but we'll do it anyway. Glad you're here. Glad you're connecting with us online. Doing a little differently this morning. You know, we've been spending the last month kind of starting over. That's why we've called it Recommit. We're a different church family than we were a year and a half ago when pandemic hit and then followed by a whole series of cultural issues that started tearing families apart, including churches like Capital City. We can't go back. We don't really want to try. We can go forward and we can recommit ourselves together to building a great, healthy, God-honoring church. Today we're going to focus on the heart of a great church. What's a heart of a great church look like? We love God. We love each other. We love those that are not Jesus followers yet. And this morning, those of us who, I guess, kind of lead this church family are going to make some promises to you. And we're going to ask that you make some promises to us. And actually, it's really not our ask. We think it's his. We just want to recommit to building a great, healthy, God-honoring church family God's way. Now, I'm going to get there in kind of a roundabout way. I want to talk about two pieces of Scripture that I think kind of define the heart of great Jesus followers. The first two verses I've used many times. I think what they say is incredibly important, very, very powerful. And they're going to tell us that God's kind of love, God's love is tough. It's a tough love. But these verses are often misunderstood. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. The NIV reads like this. The Apostle Paul says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by human, any human court. Sounds a little bit rude, doesn't it? The message puts it even more starkly. It says, it matters very little to me what you think of me. I don't care what you think of me. Sounds callous, doesn't it? And then he says, I don't even judge myself. Why not? Shouldn't we? But then he writes in the next verse, he says, my conscience may be clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So, basically what he's saying is it really doesn't matter what you think of me or what I think of me compared to what God thinks of me. What he wants is what matters most. Now listen, Paul didn't write these words because he didn't care about the Corinthians. He didn't write this because he didn't love them. It may sound that way, but he loved them deeply. And he didn't write these words because he didn't care what they thought of him. I know it kind of sounds that way. But that's not it. They were his spiritual kids, and he would die for them. Every good leader cares what those who follow him think about him. I mean, you're all leaders. You've got kids. You've got friends you try to influence, people at work. And I hope it matters to you what they think of you. But what it means is that for a Jesus follower, what God thinks about it, us, has to be infinitely more important than what you think or what I think. God's approval is more important than any other person's approval, including my own. I don't care who they are. And it's that attitude, guys, it's that conviction that has to be part of the heartbeat of a great church. It's about Him. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what honors Him. It's about what serves Him. Do you buy that? Now, it works that way in a great God-honoring biological family. Great mom and dad... It matters to you what your kids think of you. It hurts when your kids push you away. 
great parent loves their kids, and great parents want their kids to love them back. And when their kids don't, it breaks their hearts. But a great God-honoring parent craves God's approval even more. What God wants, what God thinks, has to be more important than what my kids want and what my kids think. It's hard to live that out, isn't it? Nearly impossible. But he's our God. And we're committed to doing it his way even when it's hard. It works exactly the same in a great church family. Church families are weird. It's a, I mean, a great church family is a weird cluster of people who have no business being so tight. We don't look alike. We don't think alike. Our gifts, our likes, our passions are so different. And yet we are bound together so fiercely because our love for him blows away anything that separates us. We actually do love each other. We try. And because we love each other, we care deeply what our brothers and sisters think about us. We care what God thinks about us even more. We know sometimes God's grace and God's truth hurt. Both of them. God's truth can offend. God's grace can offend. But a God-honoring church family is going to be fiercely devoted to both God's truth and God's reckless, extravagant grace. Because God's kind of love is tough. A relentless passion for His truth and His grace. That's got to be right at the heartbeat of a great God-honoring church family. Because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Him. Now, some of you guys have been around Capital City for quite a while, so you know those of us who kind of lead this place. Some of you know us pretty well. Others of you are a little bit new, so you don't know us so well. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about us. See, we're kind of weird too. All of us have gifts that we think God can use here, and all of us are passionate about what we do here. But every one of us on staff here at Capital City are twits, like you guys. We're flawed, just grateful that God has this history of using flawed men and women for his purposes. Now we're going to let you hear from several of our team this morning. I'm going to tell you a little bit about each person that you're going to be hearing from this morning. I'm, I'm the senior pastor. Bottom line, I'm a bit of a jerk, which makes me seem a bit unapproachable to a lot of people. I think I make it hard for people to get close to me. I think I can be dismissive, and I can be very impatient when I think people are being stupid, which I'm too quick to judge. And I forget names a lot, which makes people think I don't value them, which is a problem because I do love you guys. John is our executive pastor. He's been around here even longer than I have. He remembers most of your names, but he still runs over the top of people. He can be very dismissive too, very cutting with his body language, tone of his voice, his words. So he hurts people sometimes. And he loves you guys too. Steve Smith is our worship minister, incredibly gifted and hypersensitive, as many gifted musicians are. He tries to hide it, doesn't hide it too well. He's got a flash temper, and when he loses his temper, he says things that are too harsh which you can't hide at all. And Steve loves you guys, too. Really does. Vern is our connections minister. He's got an amazing heart. He's got a heart for God. He's got a heart for you guys. But Vern is old. He's way older than I am. 
I tell people that every chance I get. But he's also old school. Sometimes old school is a really, really good thing. Sometimes it holds you back. Sometimes it holds Vern back. You're going to hear from Mike Napier this morning. Mike has been developing our disability ministry here at Cap City, but he's going to be our growth minister here for a time as well because James Driver has had to step away because of work and family obligations. Now, I don't know Mike well enough that I can identify all of his flaws yet. I'm going to. But I suspect maybe Mike is too nice because sometimes when you lead, you've got to yank some chains. I don't know. Bottom line, all of us are bundles of paradoxes, like the rest of you. We all have gifts, we all have passions, and we all have issues, like all you guys. And we're all committed to God, and we're committed to this church family. So here are our commitments to you. These are our promises to you as we try to build together a great, God-honoring, healthy church family. Number one is we will love you. I don't say those words easily. In fact, when I came here, I didn't want to love you guys at all. I wanted to be back in the classroom. I grew to love you anyway, despite my reluctance. And I have come to understand that you cannot lead Jesus followers in a God-honoring way without loving them. So we do, and we will love you guys, even though sometimes some of you guys are kind of hard to love. We're going to do our best to love you with passion, with magnanimity, and with grace. And my commitment is that if anyone on our staff stops loving you, they will be disqualified from leadership. We promise to love you guys. And we will love our God. Not with an intellectual, passionless kind of love. We will love our God fiercely. And we will do whatever we can to keep cultivating and growing and refining our love for God as long as we lead, as long as we live. And we're going to love on them. We're going to try our best to love on those who are not Jesus followers yet. It's our mission from God, and we're going to be ruthlessly on mission for our God. Always trying to speak His truth courageously. Always trying to live out His grace recklessly. And because we're going to be ruthlessly on mission for God, we're going to keep tweaking our methods. If we think that doing something a different way might be more effective on mission, we'll try it. Now your turn. If this is going to be a great, healthy, God-honoring church family, this is what we ask that you commit to us. And it comes right out of Hebrews 13. I'm going to read the verses to you, and then I'm going to pull out three commitments that we're begging you to make towards us. And I know these verses are going to sound self-serving, and I'm sorry it's going to sound that way, but the commitments that I'm going to pull from these words are critical to a great church family. And they're right out of our new covenant. You ready? Here are the verses. Here's what the Bible says. Have confidence in your leaders. Please have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who have to give an account to God. Well, that's scary. Do that so their work will be a joy and not a burden because that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We're sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way, but pray for us so that we can stay that way. And skipping down to verse 22, brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with 
I urge you to endure, to put up with our words of exhortation. And out of those verses, I'm going to ask you to make three commitments to us. Are you ready? Here's number one. We ask that you have confidence in us. I am not asking that you agree with us always. I don't even agree with me always. I'm asking that you have confidence that we're trying to love you, trying to love him, and trying to fulfill our mission from God as best we can. I'm asking you to have confidence in our hearts, even though we mess up a lot. Two, we're asking that you pray for us. You pray for us. We're going to pray for you. And if you already pray for us, we thank you. But if you don't yet, please do it. We need your prayers. And you need to pray for us. In fact, maybe by praying for us, we'll get better at what we do. And number three, we ask you to bear with us. And that's a strong word in the Greek. Bear with, endure, put up with us. You've only got to bear with somebody when they annoy you. Or when you see their weaknesses or their failures. And we've got them. So we're asking from you magnanimity and grace. Bottom line, guys, let's flat out love each other. Let's flat out love him even more than we love ourselves. And let's love on those that God has called us to reach. We want to make a difference in this world. We want to drag him to Jesus with us, right? Let's be a great church family. Let's bow our heads together. Father, for allowing us, calling us together to be a family, we just give you thanks. It's, it's all grace. None of us deserve to be part of this thing, to be used in this thing. It's all grace. But how cool it is to be used by you. And I pray, Lord, that you help us build a great family here. Not just for those who are inside, but that we will be a light to our community, salt of this earth. Help us to be the church you want us to be. Help us always to be looking outside of ourselves to what's going to serve you. We love you dearly. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. So we've been allotting ourselves a, a few minutes to be able to talk about what we're passionate about. I've got about four minutes-ish. But it's taken me about 40 years to really even get this concept down, and it's probably going to take me even longer than that to tell you why I do what I do, why I'm passionate about what I am. I'm going to tell you this. Everything that I'm supposed to be about comes down to the two commands that are in Scripture, to love God and love people. Love God and love people. It's really easy to live by that as a mantra. It's, it's hard to, at least to say those words, it's really hard to live by them because I'm just not very good at it. When Jesus was confronted with some people who were trying to, to get at him, they said, well, what's, what's the greatest commandment? There's a lot of commandments to go through. So what are the greatest commandments? And he says this in Matthew 22. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And to paraphrase that a little bit, all my job, everything that I do on this stage and off this stage is supposed to reflect the fact that I love God and I love people. I really do. I love you guys. And Doc is correct, man. I am a flawed individual and so, so very grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit within me. The fact that he chose to reside within me 
has changed me. And I've been wrestling with him for years. I've wrestled even onto the stage and the things that I have chosen to do to advance my kingdom versus advancing his kingdom. But I need that spirit in my life. We all do. Because what happens is I do the surrendering and then he does the shaping. One of my favorite verses that I've, I've had to kind of live by over these years when it comes to worship comes from Romans 12 and it says this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This, right here, this is why we start the journey for worship, why we do what we do. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So worship is not just about singing a song, because sometimes we turn that into that. We're like, oh, I didn't like the worship today, or it was too this or or that. But it's not about singing that song. It's saying, will I sacrifice myself entirely to God? Will I let him be the one that transforms me into a new creature, or will I keep being the same way that I was before? Worship is about saying, it's not about me anymore. I'm going to let all of it go. Worship is about about saying, it's not about my story anymore. It's all about God's story. I'm telling you, in this place, for every person that is listening to me, God can make you into something way better than you could be on your own. He can make you new. He can transform you. And that is where the journey begins. That is worship. And it doesn't end there. We continue to worship, not just through this life, but into this next life. Worship comes from a word that just says, God, I give you worth. You are worth more than me. You're worth more than anything. No one, nothing is going to take precedence. When we sing this song, a song that I did when I first started in worship, ministry, 25, whatever, long, long time ago, I'm old. So, But years and years ago when I first started, I did this song, this, this song about the heart of worship, and I want that to be the heart of this church. I want it to be every person's heart as we sing these words. Give God endless worth. Don't let it be anything else. Good morning, Capital City Church family. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Mike Napier, and you're probably wondering what on earth is Mike Napier doing here at Capital City? Well, you know, um, I've said for many years that uh, my goal in life was to get to a certain point and then just sort of hit the easy button and cruise on into home. But God has just made it abundantly clear to me that he isn't finished with me yet, that there's still things that I need to be doing. And, and I believe what Jesus says when he says that from him to whom much has been given, much will be expected. And we've all been given so much. And I think one of the things that Jesus expects for us is to continue to grow, to grow in our understanding, to grow in our service, to grow in our love for him and for others, and to extend that love to others. Now, when I think about growth and 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 I think automatically about Simon Peter. Now, there was a guy who knew what it was like to continually be growing, despite maybe some of his objections. This was the same guy who, uh, who, who met Jesus personally, introduced to him by his brother Andrew. This was the guy who experienced his own uh, personal miracle. It was a guy who uh, walked on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was the guy who walked on the water. It was a guy who, uh, to whom Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is the same guy who got to preach the gospel in its completeness for the very first time on the day of Pentecost. And yet, despite all those things, God said he still wasn't done with him yet. There's still some growing that you need to do. And just a few chapters later, uh, God will be teaching him a lesson about how there's no place for racism in his church. 
And you see, that's the way it is for all of us. God's just never done with us until he's done with us. And we have such a responsibility to continue to seek to grow. There's no, no doubt why Peter would be the one who would write at the end of his second epistle that we should continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I believe that's the commitment that exists here at Capital City. And it's certainly uh, the commitment that, that I hold to as well. It's no accident, I think, that he would write to those of the faith to continue to add to their faith. And that's what we all need to do. We need to continually be looking to add to our faith. I'm excited about what God has in store for us. I'm excited for, um, for the growth that we're all going to get the chance to experience together. And I hope that you are too. I look forward to seeing you guys on a regular basis, and I look forward to being a part of this church family. In the meantime, have a great Lord's Day, and uh, God bless you for all you do. Uh, many of you know me by name, but many of you really don't know me. You don't know my heart uh, but my heart's desire, folks, is for every one of you to grow in your faith, uh, to become very close friends with Jesus and become close friends with other people within our congregation here at Cap City. And folks, that's why I do what I do. This ministry is not a job to me. This ministry of connecting people is a passion, is a calling that I feel that God has placed upon my life. And not just that God has placed upon my life, but I know that it's something that will help you and spur you on to good deeds. I love getting to know people. I love sharing what Jesus has done in my life and share with them what He can do for them in their lives as well. Folks, I hurt when I see people go through life without the support of a life group. I wish I could just record the events that we have in our life group and put them up on the big screen so everybody could see how important life group is, not just to me, but even the other 12 to 13 members in our group. Folks, the reason I'm not here speaking to you live this, this morning, well, the truth is that Doc said, don't give the old guy a microphone because he'll just ramble. Now, wait a minute, that's, that's humor, that's humor. Now, the reason I'm not here speaking live to you is because I'm on a retreat with my life group. We're having a time we can get together, we can share with one another life experiences, and not only that, but to challenge one another in the Word, to have this spiritual retreat to get closer to one another and with God. In Hebrews, we find where it says, spur one another on to love and good deeds. Do this as you see the day approaching. Matter of fact, it says all the more as you see the day approaching. I love you, I want you to know that, and I love what I do. I appreciate every one of you. Be blessed. 11,829. It was the fall of 1988. I received a call from a dear friend who said, you want to come to Frankfurt and be my youth minister? I'm not sure how long it took me to reply to that question. I loved where I was serving at the time. It was a small country church. I was their first youth minister, and they were my first real job. For some... I could do no wrong. And for others, I'm sure they were waiting for me to move on. I finally agreed to come and talk and eventually threw my name in the hat. When the process was over, the team pulled my name out of the hat and offered me the position as the next youth minister at Capital City Christian Church. I then met with the elders and deacons who grilled me for what seemed like days. 
After getting their approval, I was voted on by the congregation. If memory serves me correctly, I did not get 100% of the vote. I believe there were three no votes. One from a member of the selection team because they wanted one of the other candidates. One from an individual who thought I was getting paid too much. And the other, well, she eventually became my mother-in-law. I'm just kidding, just kidding. I, I don't remember why the third person voted no, but I thought I might get a laugh out of you there this morning. So I officially arrived in Frankfurt on April the 5th. And my first Sunday on staff was April the 9th. And now here we are, 11,829 days later, if I did my math correctly. When I came to Capital City, I said to myself, this would be the last church that I would serve in ministry. Leaving my first ministry was heartbreaking. That was only the second church that I had ever been involved with in my entire life. There was my home church in Salem, Virginia, where I had spent the first 20 years of my life, and then this small country church over in Harrison County. I had developed some great friends while there, and many of them became like family to me. The statement that I made to myself was probably one of the dumbest things I've ever said. And yet here we are, 11,829 days later. And I'm grateful that God has given me the opportunity to be a part of this church for 32 plus years. I love this church. Toby Keith, a country singer, had a song out a few years ago entitled, I Love This Bar. In the song, he talks about the variety of people who come to that bar. There are winners and losers, chain smokers and boozers, yuppies and bikers and thirsty hitchhikers. There are cowboys and truckers, and broken-hearted fools and suckers. Hustlers and fighters, early birds and all-nighters, and veterans, just to name a few. And the chorus goes, I love this bar. It's my kind of place. Just walking through the door puts a big smile on my face. It ain't too far. Come as you are. I love this bar. For years, I've wanted to create a version of it for Capital City called I Love This Church. Because we've got the same variety of people here, don't we? And we've got winners and losers and chain smokers and boozers and yuppies and bikers and thirsty hitchhikers. We've got cowboys and truckers and broken-hearted fools and suckers. And the list goes on and on, doesn't it? And the chorus would go, I love this church. It's my kind of place. Just walking through the door puts a big smile on my face. And it ain't too far Come as you are. I love my church. See, I've spent over half of my life at this church. This church has blessed me in more ways than I can tell you. Has it always been great? Unfortunately not. In 32 years, there are going to be issues. There are going to be problems. You knew that to be true, don't you? I mean, any relationship that goes past six months will eventually have problems, and if it doesn't make it past six months, it's probably because there were problems. And yet, during those 32 years, you have loved me when I made mistakes and I did stupid stuff. You have loved me when I said things that I shouldn't have said, and I hope that you have experienced and felt my love for you and your families. You know, we're in a crazy time right now in our country, in our state, and in our community. 
You know, I know there have been things that have caused division amongst people for, for hundreds of years. But the one place that unity and love is needed now, maybe more than it ever has been, is in the church. I believe Satan has had a field day over the past 18 to 24 months in our country, in our state, in our community, and in our churches. Our leadership, our staff, all of our staff, not just the ones who you've heard from this morning, and our elders are committed to doing everything we can to bring his fun to an end. And it can be done, and it will be done when we join together, even with our differences, and show those around us that living a life that honors God, by loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors regardless of color and status and political affiliation and medical beliefs or finances, loving our neighbors as ourselves isn't just the right thing to do, but the godly thing to do. You know, I'm not sure that I could call this a commandment from Jesus, but he gave us a great example to live our lives by when he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Our country, our state, our community needs to see us serving. Not in a way so that we get something out of it, but in a way to show them something. Show them a different way, a better way of doing life. Regardless of who they are or what they represent, may they see us loving and serving like never before. Tommy Current is one of our elders here at Capital City. Yeah, I said a moment ago that our elders are committed to this reconnecting and to growing a healthy and God-honoring church and family. And I've asked Tom if he would to come up here and pray over us as a family. Those who are here in person, those of you joining us online, and those who are not able to be with us today. So Tom, if you could make your way up here, please.